Welcome to the podcast of the universe. Warning. Steve is on his bullshit again. Let's start the show. Oh, and the bullshit I'm on today. Food of the Gods 2, we're blowing right past Food of the Gods 1. That movie doesn't matter. And honestly, this one kind of doesn't matter either, but it is fun and bad. I'm not going to spend every episode discussing bad movies. Occasionally they will come up. I felt this is a movie that a lot of people don't watch or celebrate or enjoy ironically, so I thought I would shine a little light on it. They say that you should be the change that you want to see in the world. Well, here's a podcast about Food of the Gods too. So, it is Tuesday, and uh, Tuesday, September 25th, so happy Taco Tuesday to everybody out there. Hope everyone is doing well. This is the first actual podcast Uh, There was a slight intro podcast that was just a placeholder so I could get on iTunes and stick that over there. So, no real format for this show. Every every show will be different. Uh, This one we're going to run down Food of the Gods 2. My next episode, which is currently being researched, uh, is going to deal with dinosaur conspiracies. Now, some of you may not be aware of dinosaur conspiracies. There are quite a few. They are all hilarious. So I'm looking forward to that episode. That'll be the second episode. And that should come out in the next two weeks. Uh, This one took a little bit longer, but I was waiting on this new microphone. And uh, I just worked out that intro you just heard. And that, I did have an intro for my initial podcast, my placeholder to get up on iTunes. I'm scrapping that intro. And as far as I know, this intro that you heard today will be my intro for quite some time. So... Find me on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at thisispo2, as in this is Podcast of the Universe. And thank you so much for joining me today on my second uh, show that I have. The first one is Podcast of the Universe for Masters of the Universe. Uh, That's been going on for about 102 or 103 episodes. So if you're unfamiliar with that, check that out. And you can find the details over at uh, po 2 for Motu, or you can search in iTunes. uh, podcast of the universe for masters of the universe. Something different about this show, uh, I'm actually going to start uploading this podcast on YouTube as well. It's something I didn't do with my masters of the universe podcast, but I will also be updating this one, sorry, uploading this one onto YouTube. So, uh, something else that is uh, happening is I just set up, this is the first time I'm using this, uh, microphone downstairs in my normal area where I record Uh, my He-Man podcast, and this mic is very sensitive, and I need to get it up off of the desk as it's very sensitive, so I need to look into uh, ordering a mic stand for this one because it's a larger hole that you need to thread into uh, at the bottom of the Yeti, so I need a sturdier and heavier uh, microphone stand for that, and maybe one that just goes on the floor next to me, and then anytime I move, you know, hit the desk or do anything Uh, It won't pick up as as much noise. So I apologize if you uh, have a lot of background noise that comes through. I'll try to clean it up in post. And I'm really not entirely sure what I'm doing there. Uh, This is all very much a work in progress. In a different setup than I had for my other podcast. Uh, I do have Hats here with me. uh, So maybe he can shed some light on this as well. uh, Since he's not, doesn't seem to be contributing in any other way yet. But it's nice to, it's nice to have the company. So this movie came out in 1989. Uh, It was filmed in Canada. I was going to give a breakdown of like uh, uh, 
the actors and their you know their filmography and I'm not going to go through their IMDb list. Um, Bobby is the character that I really really love in this movie, and this is the only movie he ever did. He's the little boy who grows to be about 15 years old and has a a mean streak a, a mile a mile wide. So he was the only one I was interested in. Sadly, he didn't have any other roles. Uh, but if you're going to have one role in a movie uh, as a kid, I mean, I wouldn't be embarrassed. I wouldn't be embarrassed to be Bobby. So let's uh, let's get into the movie. So this is not a good movie. There are things that were done well. The rats, the rats weren't always awful as far as the effects uh, in this movie. Sometimes it works. Sometimes uh, it comes off comically bad. Uh, but overall, uh, they seem to have a very, very, very low budget. So it was good for probably the budget that they had. Uh, some of it was sloppy. Uh, later on in the movie, uh, when uh, Professor Delhurst uh, has uh, infected himself with the growth formula and cancer cells, as he's becoming a giant, pulsating, leaking mass of tumors all over his body, you see uh, the sound effect or the special effects guy with the remote control and the buttons moving it around so like the pus is leaking out and you can see like both of his hands and the device hooked up to Professor Delhurst uh, in the scene which is kind of fun too when you see it because then you know that you're you're watching a real treasure um, and I guess I could say this about one of the actors Professor Delhurst is <clears throat> I don't know about uh, He's a recognizable Canadian actor, and he has appeared in uh, many shows, um, things like, um, I think it was called Sci Factor. It was on Saturday afternoons um, after uh, the Dan Aykroyd show, and it was kind of like a Canadian weird X-Files type show. Um, I might be blending some of that up uh, because I didn't research it, uh, but I remember it was either on the Dan Aykroyd show or right after, but I think those were two separate shows. So that, that's it as far as the background on the on the actors. Uh, also, I think that they may not appreciate uh, their names being uh, connected to this movie uh, even this many years later. So I will I will do the the right thing and not and not bring their names into this. The movie opens with rats uh, kind of climbing over each other and swarming on each other, and it has decent music like for an '80s horror movie. Uh, the movie opens with an animal rights rally uh, outside of the uh, one of the uh, university buildings on campus, and their leader is wearing a cow mask, and they're just saying stop testing on animals. Um, and Professor Delhurst is on his way in, and he's one of the professors in charge of the lab that is uh, experimenting on animals. And the man in the cow mask, his name is Mark, the student. He says, animals can check in, but not out. And you're not a professor, you're an undertaker. And the professor says, hey, I just want to cure cancer. So we meet another scientist and professor at the university. His name is Neil. And he gets a call and he needs to leave the school. And uh Whatever is whatever has happened on this phone call, he needs to, to go check something out. He arrives at a house, a normal-looking house, and a woman 
uh, named Kate comes out and greets him, and she is very worried. And here, just a couple minutes into the movie, we get the famous Bobby scene. And I'll put this up on my Twitter. So she says, I'd like you to meet my friend. And Bobby comes out. Bobby's like 15 feet tall and looks like he's 10 years old. So this 15-year-old kid has like a a sweatsuit on that's like a midriff. But even if that was like a triple XL, like that's still not going to fit this kid. So I don't know where they must have made him these clothes and he's just growing out of them. Uh, But she says, I'd like you to meet my friend. And he says, I'd like you to get the fuck out of here. And it's hilarious. It cracks me up every time. For years, it's not failed to crack me up. Uh, so anyway, he throws a tantrum. Uh, he calls her a bitch and tells her to get out. So the woman tells Neil uh, that he had a growth deficiency and they gave him a growth hormone. And it reacted poorly with his blood. And he never stopped growing and he just got bigger and angrier. And she said she needs Neil's help. And they don't want to move him outside of the house and expose him to the outside world. So Neil takes the job and he says he wants all of the boys' bodily fluids and a sample of the chemical or growth hormone simply called 192. So back at the university, it's nighttime. The protesters break into the lab of Professor Delhurst and Mark, the lead protester, tells them to trash it. Now, some of the students and protesters thought they were just there to document and they were going to expose uh, Professor Delhurst and his cruelty, uh, but they trashed the lab anyway. The next day, Dean White arrives, and the Dean is uh, like, in, think of an 80s movie where the Dean wasn't an asshole. So it's the 80s, this guy's the Dean, so clearly he's an asshole. But he arrives and he's furious. Uh, he calls the protesters in to his office and he threatens expulsion if their investigation points to them as being the the people who had broken into the lab. So when Neil has returned back to the university, he's gotten, along with the boys' bodily fluids, um, he's also gotten a sequencer. And Delhurst goes to Neil's lab and he says that Uh, they destroyed my lab. Is it okay if I come in and use some of this equipment? And Delhurst says he wants uh, uh, use of his machine and his data in his time of need. And Neil says no. Um, Neil gets to work, and we can tell he's working because it's a montage of science stuff. And we cut away to, like, beakers and microscopes and we see uh, Neil pumping his fist. So we know that he's, he's found some success in here. So Neil puts the chemical in tomatoes. Now, these tomatoes look fake to begin with. They don't even look like child's tomatoes. They look, uh, they're red and they're round, but that's as close uh, to a tomato uh, as they are, as being, you know, the shape and color. Despite the shape and color, they're uh, wildly fake looking. So Neil has a mask on and he's trying to, he, he looks very professional and science-like in his approach to this uh, experiment and putting the, uh, the chemical or the growth hormone 192 in the tomatoes. But he puts his bare hands in the soil that he's just been putting the, uh, the chemical into. So 
His partner, uh, Josh, is amazed, and he sees how quickly the tomatoes have grown. Just within a few hours, they have gotten to at least four or five times their normal size, just within a few hours. And his partner, assistant, I'm not sure, but his name is Josh. Uh, Josh says, imagine big cows, big fish, big pigs. This could be the end of world hunger. So a student comes by. Her name is Alex. And she is also familiar because she is one of the vandals uh, who is in uh, Professor Delhurst's lab. And it seems that she has a relationship with uh, Neil. So Neil is having an uh, unethical relationship with a student, of course. And she's even a little jealous of another female uh, who has come to flirt with Neil. So later we see Neil sitting down in his lab looking very deep in thought, and he has this white rat. So Neil does an experiment on animals, but he has a white rat, and her name is Louise, and she just walks freely around the lab, and she's knocking stuff over. Uh, something breaks, and initially I thought that uh, it was some of the growth hormone, uh, but he pulls out a flute, and he plays three blind mice, like the Pied Piper, the rat louise comes over and climbs up his arm so he plays the flute she comes over so when this happened i thought that this would pop up again um this seemed to be uh something deliberate uh setting the table uh for something that happens later on so after this josh uh brings in uh he brings rats for neil um and he wants Neil to test on them. And Neil doesn't want to test on rats. And Josh says that lives are at stake. So Neil and Alex uh, are going out for dinner. And when Alex arrives to the lab, they kind of uh, hide what they've been working on. And Neil doesn't want Alex to, to see this. So Josh moves the experimental tomato plants nearby the cage of rats that he's brought in. And you know what happens next the rats are going to eat those tomatoes. So after dinner, Neil and Alex are back at one of their places and they begin in an 80s love scene. And as we have that, those scenes of them making love, we have images of the rats eating the uh, giant tomatoes. And it's just like love scene, rats eating tomatoes, love scene, rats eating tomatoes. So we see Mark again, and he's leading his animal rights activist friends uh, into Neil's lab. And one of the students says, why are we in here? He only, um, he only uh, experiments on, on plants. So when they actually break in, they find that there are rats there, and one of them is giant. So when one of the students, uh, her name is... Um, um, it's, uh, I'll get to it in a second. So when the female uh, animal rights activist turns the camera on, it startles the rat. He bounces around in his cage. Someone bumps into something, things fall over, the cage falls over. And I don't know how other to, ex I don't know another way to explain it other than the animal rights activist in the lab, when during all of this commotion, they all seem to lose their their motor skills and their coordination. 
it's like a 1930s vaudeville act where people are slipping and falling only uh, the rats spill out of their cages and start attacking the the students so they all run for the door they get out of the lab mark falls on the floor in the lab and the door locks the big rat starts eating his eyes as he struggles um i don't know how i would act if a you know a 60 or 70 pound rat was uh, attached to my chest biting my face but it was almost like he was hugging the rat bouncing around the lab knocking things over he didn't try to push off at all and as he's struggling and alex one of the other students and activists can't open the door he runs outside to the window of the lab and uh, mark tries to smash the window out but there's bars in the window and alex just sees his friend killed by the rat and then rats start pouring out of the window and the big rat slips through the bars uh, and it's too late so the authorities we flash forward a few minutes and the authorities have arrived and there's no chalk outline but they do a very crude tape outline of where mark's body was mark's body is now on a gurney and we meet a detective and he's there with uh, uh, the girl activist who was using the video camera and Alex, the other activist. And he says, how big was that rat? Because he doesn't believe their, their rat story. And Neil says, I'm sorry, the Alex, the, the, the girl says, I don't know, 20 pounds. And Neil is asked by the tech, the, de uh, sorry, the detective says, how big was that rat when you left? And Neil says, 14 ounces. So the detective thinks it's all bullshit because a rat can't go from 14 ounces to 20-some pounds. I would also argue that the rat was more than 20 pounds based on the size, but that's, that's not a big deal. That's the least of the issues in this movie. So the detective paints a picture that Mark fell and the rats ate him. Um, and when he fell, they just got scared and ran, but it wasn't, it wasn't a rat that killed him. So Alex, the, sorry, uh, yeah, Alex, not Alex, Alex is the girl. Al, there's a lot of A's. Al is the male um, activist student, and he says, um, if there's no charges, then we're leaving, and then they leave. I'm, I was confused about how uh, Al was not arrested because he was caught breaking in, causing damage, uh, destroying a lab, and now there's a dead body on the floor and he's not being brought down at the very least for questioning. I was very surprised by it. You would think that you would want, you would want him in custody right away. Again, not one of the biggest issues of this movie. So, so they leave and Neil with the students gone tells the detective that they need to find these rats right away because he does believe that these rats have gotten bigger. He's seen Bobby, he's seen the tomatoes, he knows that there's a, a dangerous, dangerous situation around the corner. The dean is there, and he says, that is the job for the exterminators, not police. And the dean also tells the detective that there's a grand opening for a swimming pool in a few days, and they don't need this publicity. So they have a dead student, possible giant rats, and they want to 
you know, sweep this under the carpet because they have a new swimming pool. So, and the body was still there on the, on the gurney. Anyway, the detective just simply says, all I see here is a dead kid with no face. So I guess the detective's going to play ball with the Dean and not, uh, not cause any issues for him. Now the exterminators show up, <clears throat> which was great. Uh, the exterminating company was Rat Attack. R-A-T, second word A, third word T-A-K. Rat Attack. So one guy is uh, an older middle-aged man and he's not interested in finding a rat. Uh, he's going to watch the game in the back of the van and he already has a dead rat to show them uh, when the game's over so it'll look like he's done his job. Now the other exterminator is a very different type of person. He has a flamethrower. It's probably about five or six feet long and he's modified it, uh, which seems like a weird way uh, to, to do extermination, especially indoors. So he's creeping around with his flamethrower. He's outside at first and he sees something rustling in the bushes, so he creeps up on it, and this thing that was rustling in the bushes turns over. It's not a rat. It's a homeless man, and he says very quickly, you got a light uh, for great comedic effect. Uh, so the animal rights activist, the girl, her name's Angie. She's the one that was with Al. Uh, she was frustrated that no one cares, and she's telling... Sorry about all this noise. I'm going to have to figure something out about getting rid of this background noise. So Angie, the animal rights activist, is very frustrated that no one cares that Mark has died or that these giant rats are out there. And Al says, uh, well, Mark would get proof of it. So let's go in the sewer and we'll get proof. So in honor of their dead friend, they're going to go into the sewer and look for uh, giant human killing rats which will probably turn out fine for them it's a good idea uh, back in the lab there's a janitor mopping up blood uh, very poorly while Neil sees um, that the plant retained the chemical uh, after it had grown so when you put the chemical in something it doesn't dissipate or get uh, used up it remains present so now that he knows that people can't simply eat these tomatoes because they could also uh, feel the effects of the growth formula. Alex arrives and she is very upset with Neil because he's been testing on animals and her friend has died in his lab. We go uh, back to the sewer where Al and Angie um, are down there with flashlights and the flashlight dies. They blame each other about not uh, buying the alkaline battery and we cut away to seeing the lazy exterminator hearing a noise and he is almost right away chased down by a rat and he screams and the med student hears the screams he goes over to a vent where he's hearing the screams come from then he hears a noise behind him in the library he goes to find out what is happening and this uh, student who we haven't seen before in the movie, he's looking around to see what caused the book to fall. If I was in a library and a book fell, I probably wouldn't go see what had happened. Uh, and I'd still be, you know, I'd, I'd remain alive. So not any book has fallen, 
but a copy of Animal Farm. Animal Farm has been knocked off the shelf. I don't know if the rat did it intentionally, but here we are. So the giant rat attacks the student through the bookcase. The bookcase falls over and the rat bites the arm clean off the student. So we see the exterminator killing a rat uh, with his flamethrower and then the detectives and Dean think that the case is closed. Uh, they do have another death but they have a barbecued rat and Neil knows that this isn't the original rat looking at the body of the burnt one it doesn't have the same markings. The Dean and detective aren't listening and also the paramedics picking up this body are smoking. I know everyone smoked in the 80s everywhere but it looked weird. Maybe that was a thing. So we have um, Alan and Angie still in the sewer. They're hearing noises. And what they've been doing so they don't get lost uh, in the labyrinth of tunnels is uh, using a piece of chalk and just drawing their arrows so they can find their way back. So they end up splitting up and Angie's getting traced, by, uh, sorry, <laughs> Angie's getting chased by a rat and Al finds her but it's too late the rats have closed in and we see uh, armed men and dogs running in the woods so there's a quick jump from the sewer and now we're in the woods there's alarms going off and we see armed men in trucks armed men on foot with dogs and they're running and Bobby has escaped so he is eventually brought down with a tranquilizer and Dr. Travis, her that's Kate, the one who initially uh, had sought out Neil's help. She approaches Bobby. He rolls over and he says, I hate you, Dr. Travis, and spits at her. Uh, with him sedated, she reaches out to Neil to say, Bobby's still growing. And he says, give me one more day. Uh, so we cut back to Josh and Neil. And they get their hands on this. I wasn't clear on this part. They get their hands on a Rottweiler. Uh, they can track things, so they get it to smell a rat, and that's what the scent that the Rottweiler is going to follow. And Neil also has a machine gun. So things are escalating very quickly. Um, so they go into the tunnels below the university, and it's just a series of uh, steam pipes and utility boxes, things like that. And they hear a squeaking noise up ahead. It gets closer. It's not a rat. It is the janitor, Zeke. He is the one who is mopping up the blood in the lab. And they tell him to be careful that there are giant rats down there. And he scoffs uh, at their giant rat story. We cut away again to a student bar where students jump in the bushes and they begin uh, having sex. Uh, but the noises... The noises are made, it sounds like they're being made by someone who's never had sex or is unaware. Um, and how they ended up in the bushes, uh, the girl that was hitting on Neil that made Alex jealous at the beginning of the movie, she came out and a guy, and they're going to go fool around, but he says, I have to go use the bathroom. So he goes over to take a leak in the bushes, and he disappears. She goes over to check on him, and he pulls her down in a in a jump scare that's not really the rats, it's him. So that's when they begin making their awful uh, sex noises. And 
he his name's Carlos. Uh, so Carlos says, uh, just a minute, I have to go to the bathroom again. So he stops mid-coitus uh, to go take another leak. And while he's taking a leak, he's singing La Cucaracha. And a rat bites him on his ass. It's implied that it bites his dick off. And he runs to get away from the rat. And he runs out into the road and he is hit by a car and killed. Uh, back in the tunnels, Neil and Josh find the torso of the exterminator with the flamethrower. Uh, so I was a little disappointed that we had such a badass exterminator and he simply dies off screen. And I'm assuming it was that one because uh, it didn't look as heavy as a torso as uh, the lazy exterminator. So we see Zeke on his little cart driving around below the university in the tunnels and he hears noises. Some of the noises sound like rat noises and some of them sound like pig noises. Uh, so a rat comes out and bites his foot off and we get uh, fast forwarded footage, almost like a Benny Hill, of Zeke on his cart racing around uh, the tunnels. And then Neil finds Zeke and he's like, oh, hey Zeke, and the cart's slowly moving forward. And then Zeke slumps forward and his back is all torn open and he is dead. So we go back to uh, a student. Uh, two students are headed to their cars. Uh, one student gets in his car, the other student in his. The first student turns his car on, starts driving. A rat somehow got into his car. A giant rat somehow got into his car and started biting his neck. And he crashes into the other student that he had just left with. And the next day, both cars are crashed into each other and both bodies uh, have been chewed up by rats. The dean says, this is just a car accident and it's no big deal. It's not the rats. And Neil says one of the great lines of the movie, uh, do cars eat livers? So the dean says that um, they can't close the school and figure all of this out because kids won't enroll parents aren't going to be sending their kids to the university where giant rats are eating the students and no one will start no one will uh keep donating to the school so and also most importantly they have a pool opening around the corner and they can't close they can't they can't close the pool opening for giant rats that are killing people so neil goes back to his lab and he finds delhurst rummaging around uh he threatens him to stay away and Neil sits at his microscope uh, and he's there with uh, the growth hormone and he decides to inject himself. Uh, a student comes up behind him and touches his shoulder. We get the 80s uh, sex music starting. Uh, he lays her down on a, on a desk that is filled with vegetation and they're in the midst of lovemaking and we see giant hands start to caress her and she notices and basically he's turning into a giant while he's uh, still penetrating her and quickly the screams of pleasure are replaced by the screams of terror because everything has grown uh, so large and Neil wakes up it was all a dream so Alex says that Al and Angie are missing and Josh enters and he has plans on using uh, pheromones to draw out the rats 
so they need to use a rat that is in heat and he wants to use louise but louise is the white rat that neil uh, keeps as a pet and plays the flute floor so he uh, uh josh his assistant or partner professor partner is going to go down into the sewers and he's going to test to see if radio signals work down there so he's put pheromones on a little bear on an RC car, and he's going to test it out if it, if it works. Uh, indeed, it does work. Uh, with, within just a few moments, uh, a rat is uh, drawn out and bites him on the throat. Neil gets a call, and he's to meet the police uh, at the tunnels right away. And when he arrives, he finds Josh there, partially eaten by rats, but still alive. And Josh calls Neil a son of a bitch. You've been smoking again. I can smell it on your breath. Give me a cigarette. So Neil lights a cigarette for Josh. He begins smoking it. And before, before Josh dies, he gives him the pheromone bearer and says to Neil, it works. And then he dies. Um, Alex argues with the Dean that they have a plan to stop all of this. And the Dean says that he has a plan and it's calling more exterminators and having the police check it out. Neil, so angry and frustrated with the Dean for his refusal to listen, attacks the Dean and the Dean fires Neil and has security uh, remove him. And Delhurst is now like a kid in a candy, sh in a candy store and he's grabbing all of the uh, growth hormones saying that he's going to be rich and famous. Uh, he also says he's going to uh, cure baldness. So earlier when Mark and the other protesters broke into Delhurst lab, he had a dog laying on its side on the table and it just had these open tumors and sores that were very poor makeup jobs. Uh, but what really struck me was the dog's leg was taped with a, a couple inches to the table with electrical tape. Anyway, uh, Delhurst takes a, a swab he swabs the tumor of the dog and then puts it on a slide and adds a growth formula. So obviously the uh, growth formula uh, rapidly uh, multiplies and the cancer cells grow and grow and grow. And Delhurst, of course, accidentally cuts his finger on a slide. He washes his hand in the sink and right away he has sores all over his face uh from from the uh the serum and cancer he's accidentally introduced into his system so this is the time when we see i believe it's a minute i'm sorry an hour and four minutes into the movie we see the hands of a sound effects guy uh who's working the buttons in the tubes pumping the the pus out of the sores delhurst uh he has a, a wig and that's why he wanted to cure baldness it falls off and his whole body just turns into this giant pulsating uh, leaking tumor. So Neil back at his lab uh, has gone to retrieve the formula. He finds that it's missing. Not only is the growth hormone missing, but his rat Louise is as well. So he goes to Delhurst's lab. He finds a puddle of what was Delhurst on the floor. And he says, God, you look awful. Neil tests the antidote that he'd been working on on the corpse and it turns black and stops uh, so that works he sees that his rat Louise is also is also big 
So we cut away to the grand opening of the pool. This is what the dean has been waiting for, and they're going to have synchronized swimming. When the dean comes up to the microphone, the students rightfully boo him, and he announces the opening. He says, this is a night they won't forget. Oh boy, I bet they won't. Neil and Alex are tracking down uh, the other rats in the sewer. So they have a little transmitter on her. And since she's in heat, they're hoping that she will lead them right to the rats. So on their travels, Alex finds Al's hat and their bodies uh, where they had been killed by the rats in the sewer. And the synchronized swimming has commenced. And they are now below the pool. And we know they're behind, or sorry, below the pool because there's water coming out of the wall. For whatever reason, Neil puts his hand in the stream of water leaking through the, the ceiling. And then he puts it to his mouth and tastes it and says chlorine. So now we know that the rats have gotten into the pool. So the rats start pulling down the swimmers and the water is quickly turned blood red. And the fans and students there uh, try to escape. They fall all over each other. They fall down bleachers. We see police, but they're not shooting yet. And it's just pandemonium. Dean is on the run. He uh, tries running up a uh, the stairs to one of the uh, diving towers. When he gets up there, there's a female student also. Uh, the Dean, showing that he's a, a real jerk, uh, tries to throw her to the rat. The rat is fixated on him. And as he backs up, he falls backward off of the tower and uh, seemingly hits the ground and dies. As he falls, we see a child smiling under the bleacher, and he is looking at Neil's white rat Louise. And my guess for this is where she doesn't attack the boy, uh, we see that she is good. So the little boy is safe, and we have Neil and Alex uh, coming up through the grate, and in the side of the pool, but below the bleachers, there is a viewing window where you can see underwater. And they just see body parts scattered and floating around. Now the police finally show up and they start shooting right away, these other police. Uh, and some, some people get shot by accident. This next part doesn't seem like an accident when you watch it. So someone bumps into the police officer. The police officer falls down and drops his gun. A civilian scoops up the gun and just start shooting people. Actually, he shot a couple rats, but he shot more people than rats. It seemed like this person was just looking for a chance to uh, kill people indiscriminately in a crowd. So he shoots quite a few people, and another man wrestles the gun away. I believe it was the detective that we saw earlier. And Neil tells people to leave and go out to the courtyard. So Neil... Um, Neil finds a young man with an electric guitar and an amp somehow. And this is a cool kid, and this cool kid knows how to play Three Blind Mice. So he has the young man starting to, starting to play Three Blind Mice on his guitar, and that will draw Louise and in turn draw the other rats. So in the courtyard above, there is a, uh, a railing and uh, a level above where police have positioned themselves in a circle and with all of their guns pointing down and all of the rats are lured into the courtyard and they close the doors behind so they're trapped like fish in a barrel. So now the police start raining down bullets 
and it's just non-stop it's a long long scene of them just like shooting rats some of it looks good some of it looks bad as they're shot and louise uh the rat looks around and there's not a lot of emotion you can get from um a rat puppet uh but she seems upset and it seems like she's realized what has happened and that she has lured all these rats out to be executed now it's not clear it wasn't clear to me anyway if she had been shot during this you would think that she stood out where she was white and all the other ones were so dark and where it was later at night i i would have expected her to be shot but when she realizes what has happened and uh basically she's been made uh, a rat judas she runs towards the courtyard jumps through the window breaks the glass and corners um alex so whether from being shot off screen that we didn't see or from the broken glass before louise can reach alex she bleeds out and dies on the floor neil calls kate and uh she says that or he tells her that he has the answer and he's on the way that he solved this problem she says hurry bobby cannot be controlled and he's more and more dangerous we don't we only see bobby's hand but it's a giant hand fall on her head and seemingly crush it and kate goes silent on the phone uh, where we see neil trying to talk to her and he just hears the the muffled noises we then cut back to kate and we see her body her dead body on the floor and a giant bobby sized hole in the wall and that was it that's the movie so bobby bobby got away so this giant child with a uh, real dirty mouth and uh, now a killer is out on the loose and he's on the run you know it's too bad that we were not going to get food of the gods three and we're not going to see bobby just running wild out there cursing and, and killing and you probably can't make that movie now with kids uh in today's age in the 80s in the 80s you probably wouldn't have an issue doing that so oh well what could have been next episode uh, i'd like to get out next week and that'll be on dinosaur conspiracies if you want to tweet me at this is po2 this is podcast of the universe uh tweet me there if there's any suggestions uh, on topics you would like me to cover i'd be glad to look at those and uh i will work on getting a better mic set up i'm happy with the mic just need to put it somewhere else where it's a little uh cleaner so when I'm done getting this together and after I upload it, I'm going to work on getting it on YouTube and I'll start a channel for the show there as well. Uh, I'm planning on having two Masters of the Universe podcast for uh, POTU for MOTU. Uh, so I'll get two of those up this week. I, I hope that's my goal. It's feasible. And uh, continue working on my dinosaur conspiracy research. So I don't have a, a closing for this show. Uh, so I will uh, leave you with the words of Bobby and we will be done for today. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to this first podcast of the show. I hope Tuesday finds you well. Get out there, eat some tacos, and I will be back hopefully sooner than later, probably next week with my dinosaur conspiracies. Not that I subscribe to them, but we'll enjoy, we'll enjoy discussing them. So I'd like to thank Hats. Thank you, Hats. Anything you want to say or anything I missed? No, he says no. All right. All right, that's it for me, and I'll leave you with these words from Bobby.